0: I've got a laptop that I can zoom in, yet I still need my glasses. But yeah, (laughs) it comes with age. And uh, I didn't tell Stephen what I'm sharing on, but just that thing of, I told him now, but just that thing of the revelation of Jesus. And uh, I felt to share a bit on that because I really feel as we're going through a transition, Well, we've gone through a transition of AM and PM, there's a sense in which... We kind of finding the flavor of who we are in Christ. There's a, a unique footprint that we are putting here in, in George that's unique to AM. But with that, I mean, it's even among all the congregations, really, you know, all the churches. And that's, that's great. That's nice. It's nice to be who we are in Christ and to carry that fragrance of Jesus that we've been talking about. And uh, and so there is a sense in which there's a a different flavor, um, a different style, and then that sense can be from church to church. But there's one thing I want to focus on this, this evening is the fundamental truth that never changes, that never wavers, that never gets watered down, that never diluted, that we remain in certain truths of who Jesus is. And I don't want to lose that, because that's fundamental to who we are. That's foundational. Sorry, I'm going to have something, (coughs) something stuck in my throat all of a sudden. So just in line with that, there needs to be an uncompromising truth as well. So there is a a sense in which there's a preference, a flow which is a flavor of us, and that's fine, that can be fluid in itself, but, but there's certain things that's like fixed, it's foundational, this is who we are in Christ. And um, you know, we're living in a culture that's always changing, it always vacillates from time to time, and from culture to culture, and you know, cultures change, everything changes, but there's, there's one thing that we need to fix our eyes on, and that's Jesus, who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm reminded when I was in Mossel Bay once, there's a, if you've ever been there, there's a street called Church Street. And it, it comes right from the harbor and it goes all the way past, I don't know which church it was, but it goes all the way up to the Golf Estate at the top. And I remember being there once and I got to a, four, like a four-way stop, a robot. And I remember pulling up my handbrake because it's one of those very steep inclinations. And I'm about to drive, but we're waiting for the, to the light to turn green. And a car next to me, because there were two lanes that were going the same way, and the car next to me was slowly moving forward. And at that moment, my heart just dropped, because it felt by just watching this car like my car was going backwards. Have you ever felt like that? And so you pull the handbrake up, you push the brakes, and you think this thing's not working and because it feels like you're going back. But then I had to look at the building behind the car, and that was fixed. I thought, okay, I, I, I see something fixed here, and I'm not moving. But if I had to look at the car, it felt like I was. And it's the same with us, you know, spiritually speaking. We, we, we in the culture that's constantly shifting and moving, that you don't know if you're coming or going sometimes. And I can't base what I feel on myself because I don't know. You know, I can pull a handbrake up, but I still feel like my watch is broken. <laughs> but my handbrake's broken. But it's not. It's, ju- it's just, it feels that way. And so I can't even base truth on me. I have to fix it on something that's even more permanent than me. And like I had to look at the building that's fixed, I had to we have to look at Jesus that doesn't change. And I know we always think we're the centre of the universe, but we're not. We 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 constantly with the culture, we constantly with change. And so even you might be wrong. And so let's in a sense fix our eyes on certain things that are in Jesus and Him alone. And, uh, and so I want to focus on that, because I really feel we've got to go back to this church. And I know a lot of you have heard the scripture I'm about to read, but I think it's good to go back for us, for our sakes. You know, Paul often says, you know, I'm reminding you of, your, of this thing, and it's not tedious to me, but I have to because it's good for you. And so Paul has to remind us, I'm sure it's okay if I do. <laughs> so let's go to Matthew 16, and I'm going to read that portion of scripture, and we're going to just open it up a bit. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea... Philippi he asked his disciples saying who do men say that I am the son of man sorry who do men say that I the son of man am so they said some say John the Baptist some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets he said to them but who do you say that I am and Simon Peter answered and said to him you are the Christ the son of the living God And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one uh, that he was Jesus the Christ. And so, you can understand Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he's performed many miracles. And because he's performed miracles, there's a lot of talk about him. Uh, so, like even some of the miracles, I'll just just before this the scripture that I read. I mean, he's healed a lepros- a guy with leprosy, in Matthew eight verses one to four. He's healed a paralyzed guy from nine, uh, Matthew nine verses one to eight. Uh, he calmed the storm, which is amazing to see something like that. Um, Matthew eight twenty three to twenty seven. He cast out demons from two men in Matthew eight twenty eight to thirty four. He healed a woman. Remember, she was bleeding, uh, issue of blood for twelve years. Matthew nine twenty. He raised the ruler's daughter from the dead in Matthew 9, 18, and uh, he healed two blind men in in Matthew 9, 27. So, you can understand when you begin to perform all these things, there's going to be talk. I mean, and and Jesus understood this. He wasn't going to go unnoticed, even though he told the disciples that don't say anything. Many times he told people, you know, don't tell anybody, but he knew even in that he was going to go notice. People weren't going to be, he wasn't going to be unnoticed. And so he's, he's aware of this and he's walking with his disciples and he, and he knows there's the talk of the town. And he's like, hey guys, what's the word on the street about me? You know, what are they saying? And uh, this is what I want to say. You know, when it comes to gossip, whether it's holy or whatever, if you want to call it holy gossip or unholy gossip, when it comes to gossip, everybody's got an opinion everybody's got a perspective everybody's got a lens you know i mean you can imagine if you've seen the miracles that jesus is performing or maybe you've heard it through someone else you you have a perspective you know this person says what he saw and you might add a few things onto it you know that's how rumors can go you know but you know that in all of this of what's been said about jesus it's almost like a collective consensus of what's defined as truth, okay? So it's a, it's a majority of people that have seen things, and, but like I say, they've got their own perspective, their own lens, and so it becomes a consensus of what truth looks like. And um, yeah, I think often when you, when you have a consensus of something like that, you know, it's not always genuinely the truth in itself. Okay, I'm gonna explain this because it's good that we, we look at it from this perspective. Um, when even today we've got consensus about Jesus. I mean think of it. There it was what what's word on the street. Today it will be what's our view of Jesus online? It would be a good consensus of of who he is, you know, from from the world's perspective, you know, from the general public's point of view. And you know that's gonna look a lot different to what is? Um, you might have a perspective of Jesus today that he's you know, he's a good he's a good moral person he's he's nice he's, he gives us a lot of good values and we can take it with us put put in our tool bag and and this is Jesus and I adhere to some of his beliefs and that's great I can have him alongside of me but I'm still me who I am I, this is just an add-on you know and I can I can receive that kind of Jesus and that's in a sense how the public have received them that's in general how the world actually received this Jesus I, I bumped into a lady that I, w- I was in Mossel Bay with uh, uh, in Mossel Bay when we were leading the church in, w- with Dion and Kim when it was still Living Stones I think and just but she was like a little girl she was even no, she was older than Connor but, but anyway I spoke to her and, and I remember she she was with us for a couple of years and I could see now she was living a completely different life, a worldly life, although she always had that. And I said to her, how are you doing? You know, how's, you know, how's things, where, where are you? And, and she said to me, oh, you know, I love the time that, we, that I was with you. I've really got quite a few good nuggets, you know, as to help me with life. I said, well, are you, are you in a church? He said, no, none of that. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that come into church even like that. I can get good things from it. But there's no change in me. It's just good to have. And and she said, I, I really appreciated those times. Yeah. So I said, Well, you're welcome to come to join us because she was here for a time. And I said, Please, while you're here, come join us. I'm hoping that somewhere down the line she's going to hear the gospel. I mean, she was with us for so many years, and it's like, how can you still miss that? You know, I know I preached the gospel from the pulpit. Why? Why are you just talking about good tools <laughs> when it comes to Jesus? And uh, but. But it just helps you realize you know a consensus of jesus can be in a sense misleading and uh, mark twain once said whenever you find yourself in the side of the majority it's time to pause and reflect and if i were to ask what's the majority's consensus from the internet what jesus is you're going to have a different view and i I thought well who do i go to who can i look at who would kind of be a symbol of someone who believes in christ and yet, yeah, let's take someone famous. And so I thought of Oprah Winfrey. I thought she would be a good lady. Because, you know, the thing with Oprah, she represents the majority of women in America. Because she was the most popular woman at the time. Um, and people looked up to her. They, they, had, they loved her. And according to the poll, that she re- basically represented the American woman. And so I thought, well, let's get her opinion of, of Jesus, because she's maybe a representative of the collective group of people that have a view of Jesus. Now, I don't want to down her. This is just a consensus from her perspective. And she says, I'm a Christian. That's my faith. I'm not asking you to be one, to be a Christian. But if you want to be, uh, to be one, I can show you how. But, I'm not, but it's not required. Okay? That was one of her shows in 1999, and here is another one. She says, I'm a Christian who believes that there is, a, there is uh, certainly many more paths to God than Christianity. That's in a source, O Magazine, in 2013. She says, the way I see Jesus is that Jesus is the way, but there are many paths to God, uh, many paths what you call God. And that's in the source week in 2009. Uh, and so she says, I believe that Jesus came to show us uh, Christ's consciousness. And that's in a super soul Sunday that she has, because she's got her own church service now in 2014. And I thought, okay, so this is Oprah's perspective of Jesus. Yeah. So I thought, well, okay, well, the best way to know about Jesus is what Jesus says about himself. <laughs> that's probably going to be a more accurate representation than the world's going to give. So Jesus, what does he say about himself? Well, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now that, if you either look at Oprah's Jesus and you look at Jesus' (laughs) Jesus, there's a difference, isn't there? Now, the reason I'm saying that, you know, the majority here, that Jesus is talking to, as He's talking to His disciples, who do you say that I am? The majority also have a perspective of Jesus, okay? Because He asked the disciples, well, what's the word on the street? What are the guys saying about me? Who am I? And the majority was, you're a prophet. Now, that statement isn't not true. Jesus is a prophet, I mean, he prophesied his own death and resurrection in Matthew 16, 21. He prophesied the destruction of the temple in Matthew 24, 2. He prophesied the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26. He prophesied the signs of the end times in Matthew 24. So you would agree with me there's prophetic stuff in Jesus of who he is. So when they say he's prophetic, that's not untrue. But the problem is here... I mean, even if you take the old prophets, they also performed miracles, didn't they? They didn't just prophesy, but they actually did miracles too. So you can understand why they would lean to say, you know, Jesus is a prophet. And, um, but they never saw Jesus as anything more than that. You see, and that's the danger. You see, Jesus was a prophet, but he was also the prophet, priest, and king. And not only the king, but the king of kings. And so there's an element of truth that they understood and they they could see it but it was limited and so a portion of truth doesn't make something in itself truth why do i say that because if if jesus is just a prophet from their perspective they're not going to be looking for a messiah when he comes i'm still going to be looking because jesus is just a prophet You get what I'm saying? I'm still going to be looking for the Messiah that's prophesied by Isaiah, that's prophesied by the other prophets. I'm still going to be looking beyond Jesus because he's just one of the add-ons. He's just one of the prophets. And so in a sense, that truth in itself is misleading if that's all there is to Jesus. Do Do you get what I'm saying? And so... They don't see that he's the actual Messiah. He's the one that's been awaiting. Every other prophet has pointed to him. And now he's here. And they don't see it. And so general consensus doesn't bring us to truth. I want to pause at the moment just, just here. There's many voices today that proclaim who Jesus is. What about you, oh, man. There's many podcast teachings. There's many WhatsApps. There's many Facebooks, YouTubes. Everything declaring who Jesus is, and it's like, God. I don't know. It's sometimes an overload for me. I don't know about you, but but that is the general consensus. And some of it, yes, true. Maybe there's some good teachings out there, but I almost feel like that in itself is not where God wants us to be. That that's a revelation, Peter. I, Stephen just shared that. It's almost like, you know, this moment where God reveals himself. That you've got to get past the crowd. You've actually got to quieten every other voice. You know, I, I must admit, as much as I love the communication, I also hate it. <laughs> I really do. I, I, I want to say to you now, just some of the guys sitting here, I, I'm sorry if I don't always get to the messages when you m- message me. I, I, if you phone me, if it's really urgent, phone me. <laughs> My phone is always on I try and keep it on Um, but at the same time man I mean I probably got a hundred more whatsapp groups and it overwhelms me it really does and and it's not that my heart is I mean I I know part of pastoring is you got to have these things it's communication all the rest but at the same time it can be overwhelming you know Facebook's YouTube's all of these things I, I have to switch off to those things because I need to hear the Father, <laughs> you know, so general consensus doesn't get us to the truth of Jesus, you know. And Paul warned us if we if we go on the majority's view, you're going to have a perspective of Jesus, and it's not going to be the, the real Jesus. And Paul warns the church in two Corinthians eleven. Let's quickly go there. I'll give you that one. Yes. So this is Paul talking to the church, and he's speaking to them, and he says, "For I'm jealous for you with a godly jealous." For I betrothed you to one husband, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Is that it? Okay, yeah, I think that is. Yeah, you can give me. Yeah, please do. Is there, have you got the other one? Verse, sorry, yeah, the next verse. Sorry. I can read it anyway. We can, while Tony gets it. Um, have you got it okay but I'm sending you brothers so that you bo- you're boasting about my may not be proved vain in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be I think you've got anyway let me is that no that's not 11 that's 2 Corinthians 9 but anyway Paul says this uh, I'm presenting you as a, as a Chaste virgin to Christ. For if he who comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you've received a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may put up with it. Uh, put up with it. So Paul's saying you might you might accept it. It might be a different Jesus, and it might be a different God, but you might accept it. Paul's Paul's not too sure that the corinthians won't reject it when it comes they won't see it as a as a false jesus or a false gospel or another spirit And he's saying, but i want to present you to the pure spotless bride uh, to the groom as a pure spotless bride but but you need to see him and um, you see consensus will will miss the real jesus margaret thatcher said this consensus is the negation of leadership you see, consensus will bring us to a place that we'll just let ourselves off the hook to actually trying to find out who Jesus really is for ourselves. We will go with the flow of what the majority's opinion of who Jesus is. And that's not going to be enough. That's going to be what misleads us. And so just in that, that you know, this is what the, go- you know, the gospel is not something that Jesus brought as a public consensus. He, ne- he never presented himself as the king from the beginning. That's why he came to the lonely. That's why he came to the individuals. And he met with them from the lowest of the lowest, to the prostitutes, the tax collectors. He didn't come as a king because he wasn't going to come and get a general consensus of, of, of his kingship. But he was going to come to individuals, to us. Now, just going back to Oprah, one of the things she says, I'm not... And I want you to understand this, because as she sees a different Jesus, she's going to present another gospel, because that's what Paul's saying here. Now just to go back to her saying, says, "I'm not asking you to be a Christian. If you want to be, I can show you how." That, that's her response to the Jesus that she sees. Okay? But she's not forcing you. Now, now, what I want to say is that is how the general consensus will present the gospel. How does Paul present the gospel? Well, he says it like this in 2 Corinthians five. I'll give you that one, Tony, and this is him presenting the gospel now, not Oprah. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you see Paul's response? There's an urgency. Like, you must get saved. I'm I'm imploring you. I'm, I'm begging you, get saved. Completely different. You know, I don't want to force this on you. This is... Yeah, if you want to, if it's one of the choices you got, you see the different gospel. So if you see the wrong Jesus, you're going to present another gospel, and there's not going to be something in the Spirit of God imploring through you. I I I feel almost like for me, I've been challenged in this because I feel it's almost like an urgency in the Lord that I've lost. You know, one of the things coming as PM. Um, I have realized, you know, often pe- people come in the mornings and it's, you know, it's, it's great, but PM, not many people come to church in the evening as much as they do in the mornings. And I'm like asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? Where's my field? Where's this thing that I'm to minister to people? Because I feel if we're not seeing more people coming in, it's because we're not speaking the gospel. We're not preaching the gospel. There's nothing of the urgency of God imploring through us. Uh, I'm putting this on you because it's I feel the lord's putting it on me too and i feel challenged and i feel maybe jesus have missed you am i presenting the right jesus am i seeing the right jesus and is the right gospel working in me Is the spirit of the of the true christ in me that i'm presenting that to others and so yeah yeah. and and this is what jesus so from that place of saying to the disciples who do you say that who do people say that he moves to another level and he comes to them personally. And he says, but but who do you, who do you say that I am? Yeah? Simon, who do you say that I am? James, who do you say that I am? Who else is there? Peter, Philip, Bartholomew, who do you say? And I'm sure as he does that, I'm sure as he says, who do you say? I'm sure he must have looked in their eyes and said, who do you say that I am? I'm not looking at the crowds anymore. I'm looking at you. And I want you to know. Who I am. Because as you know who I am, you're going to be able to present that gospel out there. But if you don't see me, you're not going to present it. Think of it, church. That's what Jesus was. Think of it. I believe if Jesus hadn't actually made this, this question, if he never threw it out to the disciples, I don't think, I don't wonder if they would be going out and preaching the gospel to us. I think he was preparing them for that day. By asking this question, it wasn't just after something, it was a nice teaching. I believe this was a pivotal moment for the disciples. Who does Jesus say that he is? And I feel just in that moment, I'm sure he must have said to them, you know, uh, forget the crowd. You know, it's, when I ask you, who do you say that I am? Don't go to Google, don't go to chat GPT, switch off your phone, put it on mute, put it on silent mode. Put on flight mode even better. Because I'm asking you. You need to quieten the voices around you. Because you're not going to know that by the the people around you. You're not going to know it through Google. You're not going to know it through ChatGPT. I want to show you. And Jesus moves them away from the consensus of voices. And he brings them to a silent place of waiting and waiting on him. You know, even in worship, these moments, we, we have to wait on the Lord, church. We have to. I, I know it's hard for some of us. It's like we live in a culture where everything's moved and fast forward and everything's instant. But you know, we've got to wait on the Lord. Even if it's uncomfortable, we've got to wait on the Lord. So I want to tell you just allow that to be part of worship. Because we don't always feel like we, we've, like Renee says, I feel we need to push in a little bit more. And I don't even know if we pushed in more enough. You know, if we should have waited longer. But I, I want to wait. I want to hear the Lord. And you know, it's Psalm 46, 10, it's be still and know that I'm God. That being still part is so hard for some of us. Because there's a waiting. There's a there's a moment of being still means I don't know if you, you realize like when you've been still, when you when you want to go to sleep, it's like your whole body has to get to a place where it's The heart rhythm slows down and everything in order to actually be calm and still. It's the same, I feel, in worship. There there needs to be a quietening of everything because I need to get in tune with the heartbeat of God. And it takes takes time. And so Jesus moves these disciples away from the crowds and he sets them up for the voice of the Father by asking them, who do you say that I am? And Peter's response is amazing. You are the Christ the son of the living God. You know what that means? That you're the anointed one, Jesus. You're the anointed one. And he sees Christ not only as a prophet, but he sees him as the one chosen. You know, it was the kings that were anointed and chosen. And Peter sees the fulfillment of Christ in that moment. He sees him for who he is. And you know, Jesus, funny enough, Israel didn't see that. Israel couldn't see it. Like I said, they were waiting. They saw another prophet. But even Jesus revealed himself in the temple. Did you know that? Matthew 24, verses 18 to 19. I want to quickly read there. Jesus reads a prophecy of Isaiah 61 about himself at this moment. And he reads it in the temple. And uh, just in that, Luke 24. Have you got that one? And he says, Then the one whose name... Mm, I think that's the wrong one. Mm. Let me just find it. It says, I was trying to find the one where it says, let me just read it. The Spirit of the Lord, now Jesus is in the temple, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover uh, of sight to the blind. Has anybody got that scripture? Okay, anyway, let me carry on reading it. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all eyes were on him in the synagogues, were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in its hearing. You know know what he's saying is today, Isaiah 61, everything you've read there is about the gospel and it's about me. Today it's fulfilled in me. This is this. Not this is that, like Andrew said. <laughs> Talk about the the, uh, the the Holy Spirit. But Jesus saying, this that you've read is actually me. Today it's fulfilled in me. And they didn't see it. You know, it's like they're still waiting. They're still looking for the Messiah. But he says, this is me. And they can't see it. It's like having a GPS. I don't know if you ever... You know, when, you, when you're going for a destination, you, you switch on your GPS or you put on your phone and you type in the, the coordinates or the street address and you push go. And it's saying, well, your destination's in the car. You know, it's not out there. He's here. He's here now. And like, there must have been confusion, you know, for, for them. It's like the destination. He's here. He's with us. There's no more looking for a prophet. There's no more. He's here. But they can't see it. And uh, I think sometimes we, we can be like that. Jesus is here. There's a moment that we, we sometimes miss. He's, I'm here. Like, yeah, I, I want you to hear me. I want you to see me. And we overlook. And so Peter, did, did we get that scripture? Oh, great. So Luke 4. Sorry. Did I, I wonder which one I. Asked. Alex said Luke 24. Sorry, Tandy. So it was Luke 4. And so Peter realizes. That Jesus is the Savior. He realized that he's the anointed one. And Jesus answered, to him, answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I'm sure when Peter said that, he must have had a smug on his face as he looked at the disciples. Check me. I've got this one. I beat you guys. And before he goes any further, I'm sure Jesus kind of wipes that smug off quite quickly. And he says, you know, Peter, you didn't get that. Out of your own. You're just a fisherman, really. <laughs> yeah. How are you gonna to come to that conclusion in yourself? You know? He says, But flesh and blood didn't get didn't reveal that to you. You didn't come to that in your own. My heavenly father revealed it to you. And I love that. It's almost like it's in that moment that Jesus quietens the voices, they put their phones off, and they hear the Lord, they hear the Father, and He reveals Himself. And I think sometimes we we, we're not always expectant. You know, when you do those things, when you put them aside, you can hear the Father. I tell you, my best quiet times is when everything and everyone's away, and I'm just me and the Lord. And it's in those moments that I do hear the Father. And I want to encourage you guys. You, I think we, even among us, there's so many podcasts we listen to, so many things. I want to say, just hear the Lord in yourself. Just be still and be in His presence. Let Jesus reveal the Father. Don't and do it another way even in prepping I have to hear the father and so just just in this moment of closing I feel you know when when Jesus actually said to the to the disciples who do you say I am he was preparing them so they could hear the father and I'm sure in that time that Jesus probably had was conversing with the Father, and I'm sure at that moment he said, okay, God, okay, let's, let's reveal ourselves to him. Let's, let's make ourselves known to them. This is the moment. Let's take the veil, because I want to say this. It's not you. Peter never came to that conclusion in himself, and I want to say even to you, you can try your best, but you know, it's like I say, all you need to do is be still before the Lord, but there comes a moment where in that stillness that the Holy Spirit reveals himself, reveals the Father, he real, reveals the Son to you, and so I want to say in that is that for all of us, we need to seek him. We need to be hearing him. We need to be listening. And you might be, saying, you might be someone here uh, just this evening. I, I don't know. There's a few faces I'd, I've never seen before. But in that, you might be a person who's, who's never come to that place where you've actually seen Jesus, you, where he's actually revealed himself to you personally, where you can say, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And so i want to ask just in this moment can i ask that we close our eyes and i want to take a moment maybe just as i've been talking the holy spirit's been convicting you maybe he's been speaking to you right now that um you might have even heard of jesus You might have heard of jesus and and added him to your toolkit really but he's never come into your life he's never come as you've made him lord and savior of your life that you said lord i want you to come and live that it's no longer me that's living but it's you that i want to come and live in me i want you to come and be lord and savior of my life and so i just want to create an opportunity if that's you that you've you've had a Jesus, but he's just been maybe a prophet to you. He's just been an add-on. See so anybody here that's received him just like that? I want to say today is the day that you can know the real Jesus. That not only he's not there to just make you a better you, but he's here to actually replace your life. That you've been living for yourself, that you've been living in sin, but now's the moment that you can just lay it before him and say, God, I want you into my life. Come and take over. Come and just reveal yourself to me. Can I ask if that's you, that you just stick up your hand for this moment. Just while your heads are closed, 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as the Spirit of the Lord. And maybe you've got a veil on your face that you can't see Him. You know, the Bible says the Spirit takes that veil away, but you've got to respond in faith. Anybody here? Create this moment. You've never met Jesus. You've never made Him Lord and Savior of your life. And for the rest of us, maybe you've lost sight of Jesus. Maybe you've lost sight of the revelation of who he is. I want to create a space for us just to respond to him. That God would come and restore the joy of your salvation. That you've lost sight of Jesus. You've lost sight of the the very wonder of who he is. That you... That you actually see him as Peter see him. You're the Christ, the anointed one. And you know, sometimes God has to silence the voices around us to hear that again. To silence the teachings, the consensus. Because he wants the Father to reveal himself again to you so if there's anybody here just respond to him just respond to him you're not responding in fact I'm not even going to ask you to come forward or to but just respond to him in this moment That father where we've lost sight of you Jesus the anointed one where we've lost sight of you as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that father you'd reveal yourself once again to us it's in Ephesians 117 it says that God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and father as we behold you again Lord Jesus I want to pray for every person here where we've had treacles of you, Jesus, where we've had moments with you, but then those moments fade in the day. They fade at the workplace. They fade at the school. They fade in the busyness of life, and we lose sight of you again, Jesus. Won't you come and reveal yourself, Father? Won't you come make known the mysteries and the wonders of our Lord Jesus? We want to behold you. We want to be able to say with such conviction that it's fresh in us, Lord, that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is one foundational truth, Lord, that we can never waver from. And we can never move from, and we can never allow it to just become weakened in our state. But, Lord, that we've got to allow the Spirit to constantly reveal Himself to us. That we can be your witnesses, Jesus. And so, Father, as we just... Wait upon your spirit to do that. Lord, I pray that you would come and reveal yourself once again. That you would empower us once again to be the witnesses that you've called us to be, Lord Jesus. Because we want the true gospel to be revealed through us. We want, the tr- we want to receive the true Jesus, that we can present the true gospel, and that we can have the true spirit within us. Because we want to be that bride that Paul talks about, that we betrothed to the one husband and we want to be that bride that's without spot or blemish and so father we just thank you even for tonight that the gospel is going to go out from this place through a people that are passionate for you jesus through a people that there's there's a cry within our hearts That we implore others around us with such urgency, with such fire, with such desire to see them saved, Lord, that your spirit would begin to work in us again. That we don't lose sight of that, Lord Jesus. I pray even the next week, Lord, I pray for souls to come in because of the response of the gospel that we're hearing now. And myself included, Father. I pray for opportunities that we can witness the gospel to. I pray for, for moments that we won't just be so busy with life that we pass through those moments. But we'd hear the Father saying, this is, this is the time. This, this lady needs to be ministered to. This man needs to hear my gospel. This is your moment. Speak it. And Lord, that our hearts would be so captivated by you that we would hear the voice. And we'd see the urgency and the need. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I pray that you would just continue doing the work that you started in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.